1 Corinthians 12. Um, so good to see you guys. Praise God. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I'm going to be dealing with some um, some real uh, heavy information tonight relative to uh, the Word of God. If if ever there was a model for ministry of the body of Jesus Christ, it is seen in the colony of ants. Ants. Ants in scripture are indicative of diligence and diversity. They are the opposite of deadening laziness. In fact, I think it's Proverbs 16 tells us to consider the ant. We are told in Proverbs to consider the ant. Um, very, very interesting how God um, typifies nature in encouraging us in our lives. Ants, and I remember as a little boy, I, I, uh, we used to go out to trees in the park and uh, it caused me to do a lot of study on red ants, black ants, ant colonies. Um, ants are unified as they all work together for the good of the colony. And they are also diversified as each ant plays a different role in the continuous growth of the colony. And um, their, their unity, diversity, and maturity, their innate initiatives, amen, is all for the good of the colony. You have drones, you have workers, uh, so forth, so on. All, every ant knows his particular function. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. Um, there are no jack-of-all-trades. Amen. They only keep one queen around. And, and so the workers go out, of course, and get the food, or they build, and, and then you got the drones, and, and then, and then uh, you got the soldiers, you know, you got the ants that will come out uh, to fight, so forth, so on. But I'm only using the ant illustration to help us to encompass this particular uh, portion of scripture, and that is that um, the spiritual gifts that Paul's talking about, that the saints of God, we ought to be unified, right? We ought to be unified. We ought to be one in Christ. Now, let's talk about unity before we get to diversity, and we're not talking about uniformity. When we talk about being unified, it has nothing to do with our personal makeup because all of us are different. It is a conscientiousness under all circumstances for us to be unified. We are unified. We are one in Christ. There's no big eyes, little U's, right? And, and a little later, I'm going to show the differentiation. There, there is no um, uh, uh, such animal in the Bible as clergy versus laity. In fact, that distinction between clergy and, and laity, Jesus said in Revelation, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, because that's what it is. So we're going to look at the reason there's no distinction between clergy and laity is because all of us are priests in Jesus Christ. I don't need to go to a church, get in a booth, and, and use you to reach Jesus. We, we can all come boldly to the throne of grace. Can I get a witness? So one of the things that we want to look at tonight contextually is this matter of chapter 12 deals with, the first 10 verses deals with uh, the, the unity, um, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verses one, 1 through 3 deals with the unity, and, and, and we identify the Godhead in verses 4 to uh, 7, Amen. One spirit, same spirit, verse 4, same Lord, verse 5. Remember that? Uh, same God, verse 6. So we see the triunity of God 
involved in our diversities. Diversities. Let, let me let me let me stop. Pause apart. We are diverse. We are diverse. God made us that way. Amen. The way I'm hardwired, you're not hardwired. I'm not supposed to be hardwired your way. So when you sit back and say, well, I think it should be that, you're totally off base. Because if God wanted your ideas, God would have had you lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He chose Moses with all his hang-ups. And Moses had a lot of hang-ups. So we got to be careful when it comes to the body of Christ not to place ourselves on a pedestal where our way is the only way. We know what we're talking about. Nobody else knows what we're talking about. God made us diverse. From our history, God made us diverse. From our upbringing, God, from our exposures, from our experiences, we are totally diverse. Now, now this is not right or wrong, black or white. It's just that we have to learn to accept the diversity of one another. You and I are not alike. You know, how I think, you don't think. Uh, what fears I have, you may not have. Uh, where I come from, you don't come from. So we got to be careful that we don't let Satan, because that's all it is, get in us and see his pride. Here's what Satan does out of pride. Satan makes you think you're the only one right. And you need to watch everybody else. Everybody else is wrong. No, everybody else is not wrong. The fact of the matter is we are diverse. We are diverse. All right. Um, and, 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 and through that diversity, believe it or not, the military had a major impact on my life. So I, I view stuff from, from, from a military paradigm, like boundaries and, and uh, SOPs, standard operating procedures. Uh, you know, I know the bylaws like the back of my hand. So when I'm making moves, I'm making moves with stuff in mind of what I suppose to make a move with. I know by the grace of God, the Bible. So I'm making moves based on my knowledge of the Bible, my knowledge of pastoring, my knowledge of this, my knowledge of that, my, my knowledge of this. So, the, the, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes I got to catch myself because with the military paradigm came some real hardcore ungodly stuff too. You know what I mean? Like what you use your head for, a hat rack? You know, so I can't, can't say that to the people of God. You know, I got to love them and da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and, and so um, my, point, my point is that he deals with diversity and then he, deal, he deals with unity and he deals with diversity. And by the time we get to chapter 13, now he's dealing with maturity. Here we go. Maturity, maturity. And, 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 and here's what I want you to see, because we covered most of this. Uh, he gives, in 1 Corinthians 12, he gives, the, he gives the body concept, which is organic. The body's organic. Three metaphors to the church, body, building, and bride, right? You got to know how each one plays out. Paul, the context of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 is the body, not the building. Not the bride. We are the bride. We are the future bride of Jesus Christ. We're going to marry him when we get to heaven. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 5. Okay, we're going to marry Jesus Christ. Rapture, Revelation 4. Tribulation, Revelation 6 to 19. So while we are up in heaven, getting married to Christ, having a big banquet, the Antichrist is going to be slaughtering people on earth. You, you need to look at that. And then, and then Jesus is coming back with the church, with angels, to set up a thousand-year reign. We call that the millennial period. The word millennial means a thousand. He's going to set up a thousand-year reign on earth and, 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 and so forth, so on. And then, um, you know, we'll get to the rest of the eschatology, but it's here in chapter 12 that he's dealing with um, but now have God set, verse 18, the members, every one of them, in the body, as it what? Are y'all helping me out? A as it has what? 
that means wherever you are, placement-wise, Jesus put you there. You didn't roam there. You didn't, you know, um, we got a major leadership meeting on Saturday. One of the things I want to say to the guys that are ministers and deacons is uh, this is not a club. It's a calling. It's a difference. Club, you pay your dues, you come, you do it. No, it's a calling. You're saying God called me to this. And if God didn't call you, then we don't need you here. Because being a leader is not something that you just look over the congregation and find somebody that you think is nice and ask them, no, no, they got to qualify. And the spirit qualifies who should do what and when, where, how, da-da-da-da-da-da. So one of the things is that when the Bible talks about this organic relationship with Jesus Christ, he's the head, we are the body. We, some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are kidneys, livers, whatever, whatever, whatever. He's dealing with that diversity. And in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Uh, now, 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 I, I don't want to stay here, but the hand and the eye have different functions, don't they? So we got to be careful not to try to bring all functions under our jurisdiction. An eye is different from an ear. A hand is different from a foot. That's the way God made it. That's the way God placed us in the body. He placed us sovereignly um, in the body. And, 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 and so Paul begins to ask some rhetorical questions as we close chapter 12. Look at verse 28. And God has said some in the church, uh, the, these are, he said, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, uh, after that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, um, diversities of tongues, are all apostles. And, and, and the reason is rhetorical. No, everybody's not an apostle. He only had 12. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Uh, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, this excellent way is Paul is laying out contextually not specific gifts, but a roadway in which all gifts ought to ride on. That whatever we do, it ought to be done in love. No matter what your ability is, it ought to be dispersed in love. So, um, chapter 13 begins a major discussion on spiritual maturity. And by the way, the word maturity is where we get our word teleos, perfect. It means to reach an end, to complete, to finish. Um, and and um, um, when we begin to look at this, this, this matter of God bringing us to a place of maturity, and I... And, and there's some great illustrations here. There, there, are some, there are some things that I wrote down that God by design, God by design wants to first develop us. God by design. Everything is by his design. He wants to develop us. He wants to give us discernment. That means we can hear him. He wants to put a pinch of difficulties in our lives as a GPS system. Amen. And ultimately, he wants us to depend on him. So when we get saved, God already has a design to help perfect that which deals with us. And so the reason we got to be careful with this because what God may be doing in your life through difficulties is purity. Maybe God wants to make you pure. 
And in somebody else's life, God may want to get you to rearrange your life by his priorities. Maybe you're living a pure life, but your priorities is out of whack. It's causing confusion. Or, or if it's not purity and priority, maybe it's perseverance. God wants us to be able to take a, a, a hit, take a licking, and keep on ticking. All, all of that is in that design, and, and we know that design exists because Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things are working together for the good, and then Romans 8.29 says, for whom he did for no. That means before the foundation of the world. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So the moment you get saved, God has a program to make you like Jesus. So these nuts that are running around here and these ignoramuses who are running around here and these bishops and pastors and evangelists that you can live any kind of way you want, you going to heaven and da-da-da-da-da, I don't know where they're getting this doctrine from. The first thing that God does is start designing change to the image of who he is. Now, it takes years. It takes years. And God is going to deal with our desires. God is going to deal with, you know, all of the different things that are in our lives. And, and so, um, in the last days, the reason it's going to be so hard to live for Jesus is because we're being conditioned by a culture. Your grandmother and my grandma had no TVs in the 30s and 40s. I knew when TVs came out. They came out in the 50s. And y'all ain't had them anyway. There was, there was no way for Satan to condition us um, by a culture in the 50s and 40s and 30s because we weren't sitting there all night taking in, Lord have mercy, philosophical views on sex, on life, on what is freedom. And I, so, so, so we, we see, we are in this, we are in this culture that's Christless. And then we grew up in a society where it does take a village to raise up. Everybody, everybody in your neighborhood thought the same way. There was one value system. I mean, yeah, you had, you had people out there in sin. You had people drinking. You had people speaking. You had people gambling. We, we understand that. That wasn't the norm. That was the exception. Even winos had respect. Remember that? Some of y'all come to church. You just listen. I'm only kidding. But, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that there, there, was, there was a component in society that everybody pretty much had the same similar values where everybody on the block could whip your backside. Interesting. So today's culture, as we deal with our millennials, I got some major concerns. I, you know, I got major concerns with uh, not only old heads, but the young ones. I got major concerns with the social media. Social media is a vehicle for people to, that are self-centered, that are not, not everybody that uses it, but a lot of people, everything got to go on Twitter, Facebook, everything, 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 everything. It's, it's almost like selfies. It's almost like this is my world. And, and the problem is we got a lot of great technology and in, in the internet, we can pull down the information. I do it all the time. We got a lot of, a lot of access to a lot of things. But um, child of God, uh, we are spending more time on social media than we are with the Lord. It's becoming a God. Um, and there are specialists, there are professionals that say in the people that use this stuff the most are self-centered and are begging for attention. So, they, so there's some frag, fragmented people who got to have a phone, got to have an email, got to have uh, a, a, a Facebook page, and they got to stay on it, and, and it makes them feel 
important. Now, and those, those are some of the professionals giving that information. And we just got to be careful because balance, there's nothing wrong with having a Twitter account, Facebook account, nothing wrong with you t uh, tweeting or whatever, whatever you do. Uh, we just got to be careful that Satan is not using this stuff for the wrong reasons. Uh, you got to be careful that Satan is not using this stuff for the wrong reasons. And it's like anything else, anything that's imbalanced can hurt us. That's all. That's all. Anything. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. We just got to be careful because this culture is choking out the values and absolutes of Christ. That they don't exist no more. Compromise is all through the church. Compromise is everywhere. Our marriages are compromised. Our ministries are compromised. Our mindsets are compromised. We, 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 got, comprom we got compromising all over the place. So, as we roll into this, this venture, um, how do we check, Sister Arnold, how do we check as a safety precaution whether we're living a balanced life? Well, 1 John 4, 1 says, let us test the spirit by the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, and, 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 and there's two different words for spirit. Let's test the spirit of whatever you're caught up in with the Holy Spirit, the one that's supposed to be in control. So we got to be careful. We got to, we got to kind of, um, see, my concern for church folk is we keep watching TV and TV is conditioning us as to what our marriages ought to be like, what our relationships with our children ought to be like. And, and, and you got you to break away from that because what will ultimately happen is that now you will hold your mate accountable for something that you saw on TV and you like and they're going to hell and now you're trying to bring it in your house. You, gotta, you just got to be careful with that. that we got to go back to the word of God. What does the Bible say? And 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 kind of don't don't let society, don't let this culture, amen, become um, your God. Don't let the culture become your God. All right. I want to deal with three facets of life before I get into this maturity. The quantity of life is eternal. That's salvation. The quantity of life. What do I mean by quantity of life? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, to whosoever believed him should not have perished, but have what? Eternal life. That's quantity. It, uh, eternal means unending. The, the difference between everlasting and eternal is that eternal means there was no beginning and there will be no ending. Everlasting means there was a beginning in time, but there will be no ending. So we have everlasting life. That's our, that's our quantity of life. Jesus said, I've come, John 10, 10, that they might have life, quantity. I want you to have the quantity of eternal life. But then he said, but have life more abundantly, quality. We, we, we got to distinguish the quality from the quantity. The quality of life is the enriched life. It's not the eternal life, it's the enriched life. It's, it's, it's the life that, amen, is lived through the blessed Holy Spirit, the nonfold fruit in Galatians 5, uh, and, 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 and then the qualifier of life is service using our gifts. So I got quantity, quality, qualifier. That is, I, I need to be, I want to be used of God to help edify the body. Okay, I want to I wanna be a qualifier of truth. I want to begin to be used of God to build up and, and edify the body of Christ. So one of the things that we begin to see as we approach um, 1 Corinthians 13, and it's interesting, is that all of this quality of life begins with Romans 12, don't turn, the renewing of the mind. Now, now, now let, me, let, me, let me stop. Renewing, that I-N-G, that participle, 
Renewing denotes that God wants to deprogram what you had and reprogram what you will have. Are you getting me? So we got to learn how to love, learn how to live life all over through the power of the Holy Spirit. The agapeo love, remember we dealt with that? Phileo is friendship, eros is erotic, storge is mother-daughter, mother-son, but the agapeo love is a whole new love that you and I were not born with. It's not natural. In fact, it's unnatural. It's the love of the Spirit. So as we grow in the Word, and we got to be careful with the Word because we ought to speak the truth in love. Right? Truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. Hmm. I'm so glad I had a mother that used to say, I don't mean no harm. But somebody got to tell you. Good night, Irene. <laughs> Tough. So here we go. God wants to renew my mind through truth by the word of God. He wants to reprogram all of my attitudes, all of my actions, all of my outlooks. God wants to perfect that which concerneth me. Here's what he wants. He wants us to grow up spiritually. And, 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 and we're going to get to characteristics of a child. They whine, they pout, they cry, they complain. Those are characteristics of a child, right? We've, we've, all, we've all done it and we've all, most of us had children, no, and we've seen it. Right? So, Paul is saying, as we go into this chapter of chapter 13, the love chapter, we got to kind of, all right, grow up. Uh, excuse me. The first, the first level of growing up is you cannot believe that you're all right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's just immature. And then you can't make excuses for what you're doing, how you're living, and those excuses become your uh, wall, so to speak. You know, you know, see, I can sit up here and say, well, you know what, uh, uh, well, this is my personality, this is the way I am. Take it or leave it. That's a cop-out. That's God help. How something makes you feel and how it makes me feel is totally different. What, what we're able to do and not to do is totally different. Love says, let me find out what are the differences in you and then let me forget about myself and gravitate to that so I can edify you. See, this is meat already. Not you sitting up there with a position. But this is the way I am. I don't like kissing. Well, you better kiss something. You, you, you know, you, you, you in a marriage relationship. You can't, you just can't take a position because that's where you are mentally, emotionally. It, it, it helps us to, listen, it helps us to, amen, be pliable and open to change for the good of what? The body, for the good of the unity. I don't know what God y'all praying to. God ain't leading us to be stubborn and rebellious. God ain't leading us to do our own thing at somebody else's expense. We, we got to be so careful that we're not covering up anger and rebellion from our history. And I've discovered with married folk, most of the hell that comes out in the marriage, 70% of it was there before you even got married. It was there. Trust me, it was there. You, 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 no, 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 no. It was there. And we're holding innocent people hostage 
Y'all need to come to the marriage retreat. You can sign up tonight. <laughs> Dr. Clarence Walker, I'm going to be there. They're dealing with conflict, communication, and all that. Half of this stuff we carry around ain't of God. And we're going to answer for it. Not only in heaven, we're going to answer down here. Because we're being stubborn. So, we need, we need to grow up. And maturity is to lead Christians from sin to obedience. Mm. Check this out. All right, let's begin to break this down. Look at the metaphor here. Chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men, and that word tongue is glossae, glossalea, which are languages, and of angels, which is hyperbole. The angels don't have a speech that, that, that's unheard of. All right? And have not love, I am become a bunch of noise. If I don't have love at the base of my relationships, if love is not the pure motive for me loving and serving another, God says, you're just a bunch of noise. Now, now, now I, maybe you'll better understand if I go to James Brown. Like a dull knife, you just ain't cutting. You're just talking loud and saying nothing. I love you. You ain't saying nothing. I need you. You ain't saying nothing. You only love me when you get what you want. That's selfish love. You only love me when everything's going your way. That's selfish love. Biblical love says when all hell's breaking out and nothing's going my way, I'm still able to love you. And, and, and love is an action word, not a passive word. So it means not only do I say it, I do it. I show it. I show you love when you're not worthy to receive love. I show you love. I display love. Uh, 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 interesting. Interesting. And, and let me tell you why it's so difficult. Because a whole lot of Christians live by their feelings, not by faith. The world is predicated on feelings. Reefer Franklin said, you make me feel like a natural woman. Well, the word natural means you're going to hell. Well, you know, she, she, she didn't know that when she sang the song. I used to get caught up in them records, boy. Turn the lights down low. And them words would drive me up a wall, man. Isaac Hayes, I stand accused. Lord have me, that boy can rap. And then in the middle song, he says, I know you belong to another. <laughs> and I don't have a ghost of a chance. And I will stand on Mount Everest and tell the world I love you. That stuff sound, that stuff sound good. You mix that with some liquor, boy, you got something that night. You got something on your hands that night, Doc. I'm telling you, you, you be running around the room. Uh, mercy. And though I give... And though I have the gift of prophecy, where I'm getting messages on a daily basis from God and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I can move mountains, and if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I want you to see where Paul is, where Paul is going with this. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, you talking about sacrifice, and have not charity, it profiteth me what? Nothing. So there are some negatives that Paul is dealing with in this matter of defining purpose that 
as we mature, and, and I'm going to get to it, if not tonight, next week, Lord, spirit life. Paul's whole argument is that a child experiences things, amen, that adults don't. Adults have learned, Lord have mercy, they have learned through a process of living that their whole expectation base has changed. And that's why, we're, you know, we'll get to a Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I even understood as a child, I, you know. But when I became a man, teleos, completed, fulfilled, I start putting away the childish things. So, so one, of, one of the things that Paul begins to deal with is this matter of just growing up. And in growing up, we got to accept people. We got to accept responsibility. We got to accept heartaches. We got to accept trials and tribulations. We got to accept changes in life. There is no perfect life down here. You're not going to be married to a perfect person. Can I get a witness? You can pull out at, at twice as many flaws as you can benefits from that person you married to. We all messed up. There, there's, there's no such animal as uh, uh, a perfect situation. And, and so Paul, Paul begins to home in on this matter of maturity. And also, mature people are not self-centered. They are not the base of the whole world. Everything's got to come through my feeling base. I, everything has got to come into me. I make a determination. No, mature, that, that, that's not maturity. It's selfless. It, it, it can serve. It can submit. It can subject. It can surrender. All that's part of being mature. Now, you know, when we was out there in the world, we weren't submitting and surrendering to nothing that we didn't personally like. Isn't that right? Y'all getting, getting quiet up in here. Well, you want to go to this party? Nah, I don't feel like going over there. I ain't going to. It had, something had to meet your realm. Isn't that right? Something had to agree with our, our own aspirations. Are y'all getting this? And, and, and so mature people are selfless. They're not self-centered. They can serve. They can submit. They can subject. They can surrender. That's a mature person. A baby is going to fuss, complain until, until they get their own way. And if they don't get their way, they got a root of bitterness working. And then what we do, when, when the root of bitterness starts working, now we're looking for alternatives to this relationship. I'm not talking about messing around. I said alternatives. You, you're looking to get involved with something that doesn't involve them. And, and sometimes we are so hurt by stuff that we never got counseling through that we are, we are holding the wrong one hostage. Here's a good question to ask you of me. When stuff starts flaring up, baby, what did I really do to you? And listen for the answer. Well, I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you talk. Mm -hmm. And you'll be constantly moving towards the center. Well, you was acting this way when we was dating. So I couldn't have done all this. No, I'm serious. And, and this, this is not a marriage counseling class. But it, it helps us to understand when we live by feelings and not by faith, everything has got to bounce off our center, uh, our CPU, central processing unit that agrees with us, that makes us feel good, that, that, that you know, da, 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 everything got to agree with that. Or this can't be from God. Now, now, now you're pulling God in when you got the problem all along. I said something Sunday when I was preaching. I said, you know what? Some of us, you ain't going to miss it till you lose it. And when you lose it, it's going to dawn on you. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about death. I'm talking about losing things in life. It's going to dawn on you that you had a wrong perspective of things all along. You're not right in everything. Neither am I. 
Stop believing the lie. You're not God. You're not pleasing in his sight and somebody else is displeasing in his sight. My Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. And you got a lot of stinking nerve not to be merciful to somebody else when God been merciful to you. That, that takes some doing, Doc. And here's what you're telling Jesus. You know, I really don't need you to, I, I don't need you to save me to the extent that you saved my husband. Are you kidding me? So what humbles us is that God leaves in place intentionally things we can't help ourselves over with to, to establish a dependency upon him. Lord, I don't know how to handle this. I, Lord, I can't handle this. Lord, this is overwhelming. I need help. I need healing. And just that confession allows the spirit to come in. Just, just that confession. I'm losing my marriage because my thinking is wrong. My, my actions are wrong. I'm losing my children because, uh, you know, my priorities are wrong. I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing my peace because I got a lot of stuff going on inside that I've, listen, that I have justified. That's the key word. I've justified it. Now, God is breaking up the hallowed ground. You got to give David credit. I mean, you got to love David. You got to love David. Nathan comes to David and says, King David, let me tell you a story. Man had a little ewe lamb. And after he told the story, David said, who is it? So I can kill him. Who is it? And Nathan said, Thou art the man. <laughs> and David did something that none of us typically consciously does. David said, Lord, I have sinned against thee and thee only. Created me, Barah in the Hebrew, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Now, now, let me tell you the essence of that prayer. There's nothing in me that can help me. Create means the call into existence something out of nothing. So, God, I'm so messed up. I need you to bring something from the outside in to change my life. Have you ever prayed that? No, you ain't prayed that. Because you think your stuff don't stink. You ain't prayed that. Lord, I'm so messed up. I need a visitation from heaven by grace to straighten out this mess that's inside of me. It's very interesting. Very interesting. So, so maturity has its definite purpose. Uh, and, 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 and let me go now from the negative to the positive and, and, and the, explan the, the explanation, verse 4, Love, here we go, remember I did this last week, love can suffer long and still be kind. Now don't take for granted that's you. Don't put your name there. My God. He's dealing with, secondly, not only the purpose, but the definite properties and, and, and is a, it's a releasing of self. It's a replacement with the Holy Spirit's power. We're talking about God stepping in. Love, listen, he's saying, watch this now. Love can suffereth long, a long time, and still be kind. Now, I can't claim this verse uh, all, all the time. I, can't, I just can't claim it. My God. God, if I'm suffering a long time, I, I would love to come up kind. Don't you know there's folk in church don't even speak to other people? 
How's your father? I don't know. You can take a hit and keep taking a hit, and yet your response is kindness. That's true agapeo love. That's the love of Jesus. That's hard to get to, isn't it? That's hard to get to. Hmm. Why is that so hard to get to? Anybody want to take us? Why is that so hard to get to? There's one word I'm looking for. It, it's, it's, well, self, yeah, but it's involved. Our, our feelings. You hurt my feelings, which is the sum total of my being. I don't know if I can come, I don't know if I want to come back and be kind. How are we, what, what are we functioning on? Yes, you hurt me. I'm, uh, you know, I forgive you. But see, words don't weigh the will of God. The will of God. Hmm. Suffer long. I've, I've suffered. I've suffered a long time. You know, we can get dramatic. How long have you suffered? Well, it's about 30 years. And every time you mention that name, I just cringe. And you going to take communion? I can't stand them. I hate them. Oh, okay, but we understand. We got some fractures. We, get, we got some fractures. Suffer long kind. Love, envy if not. Now, now, what is envy? Anybody want to take a stab at envy? Anybody want to take a stab at envy? Real quick. Yes, darling. Oh, you wanting what somebody else has. That's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Okay. Love on if not itself is not puffed up. True love does not boast, nor does true love make a statue of itself in the eyes of other people. Mm. Does not, verse 5, behave itself unseemingly. Uh, now, now this, this one is deep. Verse 5, true agapeo love has something to do with your behavior. Mm-hmm. Seek if not her own selfishness is not easily, what? You know, you know, uh, you know I, we, we shouldn't offend each other. We got to be careful. Every word comes out of our mouths. But people that are always, people that are always offended. Always offended. You know, yeah, I, you offended me. Well, I'm sorry. Okay. And next week, you know, you offended me. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you offended me. Okay. And the fourth week, you offended. Go to another church. Oh, no, no, you, you offended me. Okay. So, so my point is that, uh, People that are easily, what, why, why do people get easily provoked? You know why? Because they're carrying sensitivities around that are not based on the spirit. You've made certain, and, and, I, and I'm, I don't mean the extreme of us cussing people out and calling them out in name. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about every little thing bothers you because your sensitivity is not in the right place. Your whole base is predicated on almost perfection coming into you. And I, I've seen people that are easily provoked. Every little thing bothers them. You don't want to be around nobody like that. Every little thing, every little thing bothers them. There's no room for expanse. There's no room for us to. And this, see, this is some deep stuff here. Now, only mature people can do this. That's the whole key to the chapter. If you're not mature, you can't live this stuff out. Because a baby whines, a baby complains, a baby's all, you know, cries when they're hungry, a baby, a baby, a baby, don't want to go to sleep, a baby needs to be burped. We understand that. So, so Paul, look, look what he said. It's not easy to think if no evil, rejoice if not in iniquity, but rejoice if in the truth. 
can bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things, love will never fail. Now, 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 here goes Paul, classic Pauline. The agape love of God will never fail. It'll never, ever fail. I'm having difficulty following this political race. I'm starting to turn my television off. Because I'm sitting back saying, you mean we got ignoramuses like that running for president? There ought to be a qualifier. Are you kidding me? And it's getting worse. In 1992, your husband, what does her husband have to do with her? My, my whole point is, it's not, it's not at the politicians, it's at the culture. And this little midget over there in North Korea, he, he, he about as crazy as a bed bug. I told Sister Gordon the other night, I said, you know, being in the military, I said, you know what? If I was on that ship and, the, and, and Putin sent them jets down to swoop, I would call Russia and say, the next swoop, we're blowing you out the air. That's it. Go for it. That's why I love John Kennedy. See, I, I was here. I was here. I was here. I was young, but I was here. I remember that, man. They put the missiles in Cuba 90, 90 miles off our shores and had them aimed at America. He called a press conference during the day. I was in junior high school. He said, listen, if anything go wrong, it's DEFCON 3. We taking Moscow out. They moved them missiles so fast because he stood up. Do, do y'all understand, understand what I'm trying to say? So, and I don't have all the intel, don't know everything, but, you know, the world is in a dangerous situation. I watched the A... Uh, I watch AHC, Every Night uh, History Channel. I am appalled of what happened in Germany during the Second World War. Hitler wasn't only demonic. I'm, I mean, I can't even believe the stuff that they were doing. It just, it baffles me. It baffles me. It's, 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 it's just a sign of the times. We're moving closer and closer to the end. And, 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 and people have no sense of decency, no absolutes, no values. It's almost like the, dirty, the dirtier you can live or the more profound you can act publicly, you're accepted. Fifteen years ago, I told the youth department, we're going to teach our young ladies how to be ladies, how to have etiquette. Do you know church folk got upset with me? I'm serious. People in ministry got upset with me. I don't think pastor ought to be doing it. Are you kidding me? How to sit, how to fold your legs, how to talk. Where is the world going to? Anyway, moving right along. This stuff is tight. I'm coming in. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. He didn't say when. Whether there should be tongues, they will cease. He didn't say when. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And here's Paul going into a hermeneutic of insight. For we know in Part. In other words, we don't have a perfect, a perfect picture of everything. And in the first century, mirrors were brass. If you look in a brass mirror, you see an image, but you don't see clarity. What Paul is saying is, uh, uh, where they were in the first century, we really don't have a clear picture of everything. We, 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 got, we, we got this imperfect 
picture through a brass uh, mirror. We're not seeing everything. Uh, uh, we're only seeing in part. We can only prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. Now, this is a major controversy. I don't want to go into it tonight. Some say it's eternity. Uh, some say it's the finalization of Scripture, which I don't believe. It, it's not Jesus. It says, because then we will see it face to face. He's not talking about Jesus. So what, what and, and we're going to take our time on this, what Paul is saying is we have an unclear image of perfection. But there'll come a time when we'll have a perfect picture of perfection. So so we'll we'll kind of survey that and lay out the different positions. And 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 here's what he says. Uh when I was a child. This is not a message that you pull out the Bible and teach about growing up in a home. The context is perfection versus imperfection. The context is scripture. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Your child mind, when they, when they first came up. Uh, 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 remember that? Uh, 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 uh. Um, okay. Uh-huh. When I was a child, spoke as a child, I understood as a what? Child, I thought, I reasoned as a child. But when I became per perfect, full-grown, I started putting away, now, now this is a process, I started putting away childish things. Start putting away childish things. Start putting away childish things. What, what childish things do we need to put away that we just keep carrying every day? Me, myself, and I. My world, my vision, my life, my feelings, my hopes. Uh, Paul says, no, no, no. Things ought to be changing as you come closer to the intimacy of Jesus Christ to the intimacy of Jesus Christ, that I may know him, gnosko, in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. So as we grow spiritually, as truth gets in, it ought to make us, listen, put away things. Right? Put away things. I was 16 years old. I think it was, I don't know, 66, something like 16 years old. We got in the car with a hot sticker. Ain't nobody wearing no seatbelts. No license, hard call, you know, we flying up and down. I remember Penrose flying up near the Platte Bridge, flying up and down that street doing 100 miles an hour. Crashed, got out and laughed. Are you kidding me? You couldn't pay me to do that today. I got more wisdom. I ain't got too much more wisdom, but I got some more, more wisdom. Are you getting this? Me and my boys buy one bottle of soda and 12 of us drink out of the same bottle. That ain't happening. That ain't happening, Doc. That ain't happening. No, sirree, Bob. I don't even drink after my children. My children, I see something in the refrigerator. I ain't touching it. You forget that. <laughs> that. That ain't happening. Don't we put away, don't we put away things? As we close, think about three things you and I need to put away as we grow in Christ. Resentment, rebellion, anger, um, thinking we all that in a bag of chips. Just put it away. Let God be God. Won't that bring peace? Let's stay on our feet. If there's somebody here that needs to be saved, just raise your hand. Jesus died for your sins, was buried, rose again. But you want to join the church? I want you to get your picnic tickets out there, $10 a ticket, and to sign up for the marriage retreat. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we uh, oversee the, these important scriptures, it is evident that you want us to move and progress and grow 
and stop and change things in our lives. We're not all right and everybody else is wrong. There are things you want us to put away. Help us, give us the strength and the power to put it away in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for changing us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to neighbor and say, neighbor, now and I love everybody. God bless you. Sign up for the sign up. Sign up for the marriage retreat. Sign up for the picnic.